0: You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Are you ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, three, two, one. Coach Mark, let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark, and you're listening to Power in a Half Hour. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of who. The rich and the super-duper successful. Why? So we can become the rich and the super-duper successful. We are deconstructing success, all right? We're learning what it is that they are doing so we can apply those same lessons to our lives, all right? So the quote that we're going to start today's show with is, people don't need to learn what to do, they need to learn what to stop doing. Let me repeat that. People don't need to learn what to do, they need to learn what to stop doing. The title of today's show is Stop. 13 Things You Should Stop Doing for Massive Success. All right, it's more about the things that we stop doing. We all have Things that we need to stop doing if we want to attain massive success. A lot of times people want to do all these new things, right? All these new tips and techniques or whatever. But if you don't learn to stop the things that are preventing you from success, you will never ever achieve that success, all right? So let's go ahead and get started. Profile number one, Andrew Lai. Now, this is probably one of the most inspiring stories that I've come across in the last two and a half years as I've been sharing these stories. So you guys really pay close attention. Andrew's dad moved from China to a village in Vietnam in the 1930s. Now, in Vietnam, he started a small grocery store. Andrew quit school before the sixth grade to help his family out when his dad got sick during the Vietnam War. Andrew had one sister and four brothers, and his father feared that the South Vietnamese Army or the Viet Cong would take all of his boys away if they stayed together. Andrew's older brother, who was 17, went to work in a textile factory in Saigon, and his second brother went to work in a bakery. Now, the rest of his family stayed until the fall of Saigon in 1975. This is during the time of the Vietnam War. His family then looked to escape the country. Andrew's two brothers made it out of Vietnam, but he stayed to help the rest of the family. Andrew's remaining family made three attempts to leave the country that all failed. And on one of the attempts, one of their companions was shot dead in the jungle. Now, in November of 1978, the government allowed his family to trade in all their personal property, such as their homes, their valuables and assets for permission to leave the country. His family gave up everything that they had. One of Andrew's family members built a small boat. Now, there was 143 passengers on this very small boat. His family spent six nights and seven days in the ocean as they attempted to get to Malaysia. Now, let me just kind of stop for a second. His family wanted to get out the country so bad that they had given up every single thing they had. Their clothes, their possessions, their jewelry just to be able to get out of the country just for the opportunity of a better life. They gave up everything, every single thing that they had just for the opportunity of a better life. And here it is. We complain about every little thing that goes wrong, like we have the worst life ever. Now, the boat was so small that everyone had to sit compact with their legs close to the body during the entire ride. There wasn't even enough room for anyone to lie down. Here it is, we complain if we have to drive in a car that's too small for 10 minutes. These people had to stay in a boat. They had to make themselves small and travel on a boat across the ocean for six nights and seven days. I don't even wanna travel in a boat for six hours, much less six nights and seven days. Now, there were babies on the ship as young as six months old. On their way to Malaysia, Pirates raided their small boat and stole everything from them except a few pieces of clothing. After being robbed by pirates, they finally made it to Malaysia, but more trouble followed them. Every time they tried to dock the boat, they were pushed back by the villagers and the Malaysian authorities. In one of those pushbacks to the ocean, the boat almost flipped over. On top of that, they saw the floating dead bodies in the ocean of others that attempted to dock that weren't allowed to. The family was forced to rethink their strategy, and they came up with another plan. They would destroy the boat and swim to shore. This worked as they made it to a village, and the International Red Cross eventually took them to a refugee camp on an uninhabited island. They had to cut down trees for firewood and live in makeshift tents with cardboard floors. Now, this camp at its peak had over 53,000 refugees, and the conditions were absolutely horrible. After nine months in this camp, a Catholic charity in the United States helped his family to move to California. Two years later, the entire family was able to reunite in San Francisco. Now, even though they had lost everything, they still felt blessed. While in San Francisco, they lived in one of the most undesirable districts in the city in a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment. That's nine people in a two-bedroom apartment. Andrew only had an elementary school education from Vietnam and couldn't speak English, so he took any odd job that he could find and took care of his retired parents who were in very poor health. Andrew's brothers worked in restaurants as newspaper carriers while their wives became seamstresses. Andrew was determined to succeed, so he took English classes during the day, and at night he worked as a newspaper carrier. He went to ESL, that's English as a second language, for a year. After that, he went to the City College of San Francisco, where he spent another three years before continuing to San Francisco State University, where he earned a degree in accounting. Andrew's family didn't take trips and spend money like other people. They just saved every penny possible. Now in 1984, a friend told Andrew and his family about a coffee shop that was for sale and they all pulled all their money together that they saved together and bought the coffee shop for $40,000. It was called the Sugar Bowl Bakery and they kept the name. Their entire family worked there. At the time, the business was making about $300 a day. The family worked hard to save every penny as they shopped at Goodwill for furniture and clothing. Andrew would continue to wear clothes from Goodwill for the next 10 years. The previous owners of the business taught them how to make donuts, muffins, and croissants. They began to sell donuts to other coffee shops and 7 Elevens, and their sales grew. Before long, the family saved $100,000. See, this is what happens when you have a group of people working together for a common goal. Here it was less than 10 years ago, they were stuck in Vietnam. They were stuck in Vietnam. Then three years after that, they made it out of Vietnam, but they were living in a refugee camp. Then a few years after that, now they're in the United States living in a two-bedroom apartment, nine of them, right? But they managed to save all of their money and to start a business or to actually buy a business. By 1986, the family wanted to invest the money that they saved. Part of the family wanted to grow the business. The other half wanted to buy real estate. They decided that they would grow the company by investing in real estate and buying a building so they could expand. After searching, they found a building, but no one would give them a loan for it. The sellers were an older Mexican couple, and they asked them if they could finance them. The sellers agree, and they made a down payment of $60,000 and paid them $2,200 a month every month for the next 10 years. Seven days a week, Andrew and another driver would deliver donuts to various customers. By 1989, the family bought a third building for $360,000, this time with a bank loan. The goal was to have each of the brothers managing a store. In 1992, they started selling donuts to hotels, and they started their food service division with a $500,000 loan from SBA. They didn't have the proper training to make pastries, so Andrew asked one of his nephews to go to the Culinary Institute of America in Napa Valley to get proper training as a pastry chef. Andrew and his brothers were so determined to put out the best product that they once dived into a competitor's dumpster to figure out the ingredients that they were using. These guys were determined. Although that plan didn't work, they were eventually able to hire one of their bakers. Now, the family would start Lie Brothers Corporation, and Andrew became the CEO as he was the only one able to speak English well. Now, after the success of selling to hotels, hospitals, and high-tech businesses, Andrew started going to the big retailers. He didn't have much success, so he hired some food brokers to introduce his company to Costco's. Eventually, they started selling to Safeway, Kroger and Walmart as well. In 2008, after the economy crash, they decided to focus on the most profitable areas of the business and they sold their retail locations and the food service division. By doing this, they were able to lower their costs and achieve a higher profit margin. Andrew's company is doing as well as ever as in 2013, President Obama used the family story in a immigration reform speech in San Francisco. Andrew's family's business went from earning $300 a day to over $100 million a year. This is the family that gave up everything just to get to Malaysia so they could eventually get to the United States. They gave up everything. Now they're making over $100 million a year. Now this may be one of the most inspiring stories that I've ever come across. Theirs is so much that we can learn from Andrew and his family. Let's take a look at a few of his success lessons. Number one, persistence prevails. Whenever a client didn't want to buy a new product, he would put samples and a personal note in his regular delivery, asking them to try it. Andrew says, if you aren't persistent and consistent, your competition will take over. Not only are they persistent in their business, but they were persistent in trying to leave that country. Where would they be right now if they didn't leave Vietnam? Number two, reward your employees. Andrew issues prizes for good suggestions called brownie points. When enough points are earned, employees can get prizes ranging from a free lunch to an iPad. Now, if you notice, all these leaders, all these business owners that we profile, one of the most important things to almost every single one of them is treating their employees right. Because let me tell you something, your business is the employees. If your employees aren't happy, you're not going to have a successful business or not going to have a successful business for long. And number three, respond to market trends quickly. Sugar Bowl Bakery was one of the first to take trans fats out of their products, and now they're certified organic, gluten-free, and non-GMO. Profile number two. Now, this is a recap. John Paul DeJoria. Now, we talked about John Paul a few years ago, but his story is so amazing that I wanted to go over it again. I just watched a truly inspiring interview that he recently did on an internet YouTube show called Impact Theory. I suggest you guys go back and watch that. And I thought to myself, I have to share his great story again. It's an absolutely amazing interview. Just do a search on YouTube for Impact Theory, John Paul DeJoria, and you can watch this. It's about 45 minutes long, but let me tell you something. It's probably one of the best investments of your time that you can do this week. Now, I'm going to briefly go through his story since we covered it before. J.P. was born in Los Angeles, California. Both of his parents were immigrants. By the time he was two, his parents divorced. Now, at the age of nine, J.P. and his older brother began selling newspapers and Christmas cards to help support his family. At times, things would get so bad that J.P. and his brother would be sent to a foster home as his single mother was unable to support them. Now, during his teenage years, J.P. was part of a street gang, but he decided to change his life after one of his high school teachers told him that he would never succeed at anything in life. After graduating from high school, he spent two years in the Navy. After his stint in the Navy, J.P. held a series of jobs, including being a janitor and an insurance salesman. J.P. says that the most influential job that he had was as a door-to-door encyclopedia salesman. JP said, it's a tough job. You're just cold calling. Doors are literally slamming in your face. Maybe 30, 40 doors before the first customer will actually talk to you and let you in. JP says, being a door-to-door salesperson is one of the best experiences that you can have. The constant rejection that you face will prepare you for anything that life throws at you. JP says that the average Encyclopedia salesman lasted for three days, and he lasted for three and a half years. It was a commission-only job. He says that he would have to knock on 100 doors just to get one. Just to get into one, he would have to knock on 100 doors. That means getting hundred ninety-nine different rejections just to get one person that would even allow him to talk. That is absolutely amazing. And then have to do 10 presentations to sell one set of books. So that translates into knocking on 1,000 doors just to make one sale. Now as time goes on and after all those rejections, you get better and better at it and it takes you less doors to knock on to get more sales. This process will sharpen your skills, and towards the end of his career selling encyclopedias, he only had to do three presentations to sell one set of books. Now, when J.P. was 23 years old, he fell into an extremely tough situation. He had a two-year-old son, and his wife decided that she didn't want to be a mother anymore. The little money that they had, she took it and left him with their son. The rent was overdue, and J.P. and his son were evicted. Now, during that time, he would collect Coca-Cola bottles to earn money. He would get two cents for the small bottles and five cents for the big bottles. JP and his son lived out of his car for a few days before getting a chance to live with one of his biker buddies until he was able to get back on his feet. Now, over the next 15 years, JP worked for three different beauty supply companies. While working as a district sales manager for one of them, he met a man named Paul Mitchell, and they became friends. Nine years after they first met, J.P. and Paul teamed up and started John Paul Mitchell Systems with $700. Now, at the time, J.P. hit another rough patch at age 37 and once again found himself homeless. They had an investor that was supposed to give them $500,000 but pulled out of the deal at the very last minute. Now, J.P. didn't even have his half of the $700 to start the business. He had to borrow it from his mom. In the beginning, his experience as a door-to-door encyclopedia salesman was again valuable to him as he had to go door-to-door to hear salons to sell his new product. It took them two years before they would get the business to a level where they can pay all their bills on time. The business just continued to grow through their hard work and dedication. Today, John Paul Mitchell Systems does over a billion A billion dollars a year in revenue, and they have over 100 cosmetology schools worldwide. The business that these guys started with $700, $350 a piece, is doing over $1 billion a year in sales right now. Now, this amazing man has not only created one billion dollar business after going through homelessness twice. He is one of the few billionaires that created two completely separate billion dollar businesses from scratch. In 1989, JP founded Patrol Spirits Company. Patron has become the number one selling top shelf tequila in the world. In addition to owning John Paul Mitchell Systems and Patron, JP also is a founding partner in the House of Blues nightclub chain. He has interests in Pirate Rum, Ultimate Vodka, natural gas and energy companies, Rock Americas, which is a mobile technology provider, and he owns a Harley-Davidson dealership. Now, John Paul went from being homeless twice to one of the richest persons in America with a net worth of over $3.1 billion. Let's now take a look at JP's rules to success. And I want to remind you guys. That this guy didn't even start John Paul Mitchell Systems Company until he was 37. At age 37, he was still homeless. Now that man is a billionaire. Number one, believe in yourself. JP says that you get to success by believing in yourself. When he and his partner started the business, they only had $700, and they barely was getting by day to day, but they believed that their product was the best. You're going to run across a lot of rejection, but you have to be prepared for the rejection no matter how bad it is. You can't allow it to overcome you or influence you. You have to keep moving in a direction towards whatever you want, regardless of whether your bills are paid or unpaid, or if someone tells you no a thousand times. You have to be as enthusiastic on door number 100, door number 1,000, as you were on door number one. You have to believe in yourself and your product. You have to know that you have a great product or service so that you can be in the reorder business where you can get it in someone's hand and they believe that it's so good that they continue to order it from you or tell a friend about it. Let me tell you something. It's cheaper and easier to keep a customer... Then to find a new customer. So you want to make sure that whatever it is that you're selling, whether it be a service or a product, it's good because once it gets in someone's hands, you want that person to say, you know what? This product is great. I want it again. Then you're in the reorder business instead of the sales business. Number two, do something. JP says that he was homeless twice, once at age 23 and again in his 30s when he started his first business. Instead of focusing on how bad things were, he focused on how he could get out of his situation. He never thought about how he could just survive in a situation. He always thought about how he can get out of a bad situation. See, so many people focus on just surviving. If you focus on just surviving, guess what you're going to do? You're just going to survive. We were put on this earth to do more than survive. We were put on this earth to thrive. So we need to focus on thriving, not just getting out of our situation, but taking it to the next level. Number three, do whatever it takes. JP says that you can have the best product in the world, but unless you tell people about it, it's just going to sit there. JP says that you have to be willing to do what unsuccessful people aren't willing to do to be successful. That may mean working seven days a week, working from early morning to late at night, going through a lot of rejection, and knowing what you have is so good that eventually you will make it. Let me tell you something. If you think you're going to do what everybody else does, only work 40 hours a week and be successful, let me tell you something. You got something else coming at you. You can't do what everybody else does because if you do what everybody else does, you're gonna get the same results that everybody else gets. You gotta be willing to do whatever, whatever it takes. Number four, keep going. One of the things that separates successful people from unsuccessful people is that successful people have the ability to keep going when nothing is going right. When nothing is working, when everyone is telling them no, they keep going. See, that comes back to that belief in yourself. When everybody's telling you no, we're not interested, no, we don't want what you have, you got to have the ability to keep going. Because, see, most people are going to crumble under the pressure. Most people are going to quit. But people that have belief in themselves, they're going to keep going. They don't care how many people tell them no, they are going to keep going, and eventually they're going to strike gold. Number five, make it the best. In whatever category you're in, make sure your product or service is the best so that when your consumer is experiencing it, they wanna get it again. Number six, forget about the past. JP says that when you're down and out, your mind is working very fast and focusing on the past. A lot of past experiences and what may happen in the future based on the past is going through your mind. You have to eliminate that by saying that there's nothing you can do about the past. That's done. No one knows what's going to happen in the future, so let's take whatever resources that we have right now and act on them. Number seven, educate your customers. John Paul Mitchell System not only knows that they have a good product, they educate their customers on all the ways that they can use the product. When you do that, you're separating yourself from the competition because your competitors aren't doing that. If the customer is using your product the right way and getting great results, you are now in the reorder business. Number eight, give back. Regardless of how little you may have in life, someone else is out there that has less than you. Give whatever you can give, even if it's your time. Even when J.P. was struggling in his 20s, he would always volunteer his time to help feed the homeless during Thanksgiving and Christmas. J.P.'s companies have provided millions of meals to children in need, and he has also pledged to give away most of his fortune before he passes on. When you give back, it helps to open your soul. Number nine, keep your employees happy. Over the 37 years that his company has been in business, they have only had 70 employees leave. John Paul Mitchell's system has one of, if not the lowest turnover rate for any multi-billion dollar corporation. JP has a philosophy of treating people the way he would want to be treated. And number 10, have fun. Long-term entrepreneurship is liking what you do, who you do it with, and who you do it for. If you're not having fun, then you're only in the business to make some money. JP still works every day because he loves what he does. It has become a lifestyle. If an entrepreneur can make their business a lifestyle that they like with the people that they want to deal with, their business will last long term and prosper because they are having fun. Now, saying these two little letters, N and O, can be extremely powerful and can have a huge impact on your life. Much of success is tied to more of what you can stop doing versus what you start doing. You can do all the right things, but if you're still doing a lot of the wrong things, you won't accomplish what you set out to accomplish. Learning to say no strategically increases your productivity, clarifies your priorities, and ensures you have the time you need to devote to the people and projects that are most important to you. Saying yes when you really want to say no can leave you feeling drained, lethargic, and wondering why you agreed to do whatever you're about to do. Let's look at a few benefits of saying no. Number one, saying no sets boundaries. Number two, saying no creates more room for the stuff you need to say yes to in your life. And number three, saying no can feel just as rewarding, positive, and fulfilling as yes when it's done right. Let's now look at a few things that we need to say no to for massive success. Number one, say no to actions that don't match your vision. Before you say yes to any request, ask if it matches your vision. Say no to those that don't line up with the direction that you are headed. Number two, say no to things that distract and destroy your time. Time is your most precious resource, so why would you let any activity distract or destroy that? For example, if you have a friend that likes to gossip, either say no when the conversation is headed that way or don't answer when they call you. If you aren't getting real value from your interactions with certain people, then it may be time to let them go. Say no to things that don't make you better and waste your time. Number three, say no to things that aren't healthy for your mind and body. You don't have any time to be physically or mentally sick. As the saying goes, garbage in, garbage out. Say no to negativity. Say no to bad food. Say no to negative thoughts and activities that aren't good for you. Feel yourself with the right nose to stay healthy. Number four, say no to thinking small. If you have little goals and expectations, then you will get little results. It doesn't take any more effort to start thinking big. Accomplishing big goals is just consistently taking small actions. Number five, say no to self-doubt and saying negative things about yourself. If you tell yourself you can't do something, guess what? You never will. You have to believe in yourself and become your biggest cheerleader. You can't expect someone else to be your biggest cheerleader. You have to be your own biggest cheerleader. Number six, say no to multitasking. You need to either put all of your focus either on one thing or one thing at a time. Regardless of how skilled we think we are, The brain can only focus on one thing at a time. When we think we're multitasking, we actually aren't. We're just switching our attention rapidly. If we focus on one thing at a time, how much better would our results be? Number seven, say no to asking others permission to live our lives. We don't need permission from anyone to live the life that we're destined to. Stop asking and waiting on permission. Just do it. If you wait around for others, you may be waiting for the rest of your life. Number eight, say no to the voice of your fears. We all have fears. Fear is completely normal. The thing about our fears is the longer we hold on to them, the bigger they become. The only way to defeat our fears is to face them head on. When we do this, they fade away. Number nine, say no to criticism. What a critic says about you says a lot more about themselves. Criticism is a reflection of the person criticizing. Pay no attention to it. Put all your focus into the positive aspects of your life. Number 10, say no to beating yourself up over past mistakes. The past is the past. We can't change it. We can only allow it to either destroy us or we can learn from it. If we don't learn from it, we are missing out on some of the greatest lessons we could possibly ever learn. Number 11, say no to selling for less than we deserve. Now, let me ask you something. Who in your life deserves to have the finest that life has to offer than you? Then why should you settle for anything but the best? Number 12, say no to comparing yourself to others. Let me repeat this. Number 12, say no to comparing yourself to others. We have to remember that we are all on our own unique journey. Someone else's path is not yours, so you can't compare what they do and don't experience with you. We can look to others for inspiration, not comparison. And that's what happens when we stay on social media all day and looking at someone's highlight film. Remember now, people are never going to post the bad about their lives. They're only going to post the great things. But it makes it seem as that they're living the greatest life ever. We need to focus on our own lives. And number 13, say no to listening to others' opinions about your life. You have to do what feels right to you. There's nothing wrong with getting advice or coaching from people who you respect and have your best intentions at heart, but we have to stop listening to those that don't want to see us succeed. All right, well, that's all that we have for today's show. Thank you for listening, all right? If you want to go back and re-listen to this show or any of the previous shows, all you have to do is go to my website, www.powerhh.com, and I have not only this show, but probably about 135 other shows on there that you can listen to, all right? Share this with three friends. Tell them about the radio station that you're listening to this show on, all right? Join them to listen in with you. And then after, you guys talk about the things that you learned. And hold yourselves accountable to each other. That's the easiest way to success is to have an accountability partner. So find someone that's interested in success, that's interested in self-improvement as you are And then you guys become accountable to each other and discuss these tips and techniques that I share with you every single week. And then you guys can hold each other accountable to making sure that you apply these things into your life. All right. So make sure you share this with your friend. Find three friends that you can share this with. All right. And the quote that we're going to end today's show is it's only by saying no that you can concentrate on the things that are really important. Let me repeat that. It's only by saying no that you can concentrate on the things that are really important. And that's from the great Steve Jobs. Thank you much and until next show.